Seeking more relationship and more friendship isn't a bad thing, and maybe that is appropriate in the situation, but if you're feeling lonely, especially if you're feeling lonely and you live with someone or you have some close relationships, this is a good opportunity to examine that, to examine like, is there something underneath this that I'm longing for? Am I longing for more connection or more deeper connection with someone in particular or or certain people in particular? And yeah, think outside your romantic relationships as well. This is not just about wanting to connect to a romantic or sexual partner, but also to your friends. Welcome to the Multi-Amory Podcast. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. We believe in looking to the future of relationships, not maintaining the status quo of the past. So whether you're monogamous, polyamorous, swinging, casually dating, or if you just do relationships differently, we see you and we're here for you. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we're talking about dating yourself and spending time with just yourself. The idea of spending alone time fills many of us with dread of being lonely or being bored, but being by yourself and having a party for one can be an energizing and exciting time too. So in this episode, we will be looking at some research on boredom, the power of alone time, and a range of ideas to try for a date night with yourself. Party for one. Mm-hmm. If you don't care about me, <laughs> I'll just dance by myself back on my beat. You know Sometimes what I mean? Sometimes it's better than dancing with another person. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I was true. making a Carly Rae Jepsen reference. Oh, you know what I mean? That one flew way over my head. <laughs> yeah. For those of you who don't know, there's a fantastic song called Party for One by Carly Rae Jepsen. And the music video is fantastic. Definitely recommend checking it out. And uh, but that song, it's, it's actually sort of about masturbation, um, not specifically also just alone time. Do. But, but also yes. something alone. you can check out. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I got to say, after being in a small space with one other person for this entire year, like alone time is precious to me mm. in a way that yeah. I never before realized and and never really like I, I mean like so many things i just took so many things for granted i'm gonna try not to do that as much like in in the rest of my life but yeah alone time definitely is one that i that i took for granted but for a lot of people during this time there's also the opposite of just way too much alone time yeah that's very true yeah it's it's been really interesting in researching this episode where There's just a lot more articles about being alone, but they tend to be focused on, you know, just like living alone or just not being able to see people as much, which is a little bit different context wise than what we're talking about on this, which is either sort of intentionally setting aside date time for yourself or, uh, you know, you're not given the choice where it's like, oh, my partner's off on a date or my roommates are gone on a date or something. And so I'm, I kind of have this alone time that I have to figure out what to do with it. So it's a little bit different than that. And yeah, if you are living alone, I think some of these ideas could be helpful, but that's kind of, we're talking, that's like whole next level of figuring out how to be alone. I still think some of this stuff applies, but we're going to talk about it a little more in the context of 
intentional time and not just like I'm spending all day alone, but I have an intentional block of time that I've set aside to be sort of date time with myself or time I know I'm going to be alone right now. Yeah, this is maybe a, a bit of a skill that one can sort of get better at, like learning how to do alone time better because of those things that you just talked about, Jace, like your partner might be on a date with another person. And so learning to kind of embrace that and enjoy the time that you get to spend alone can be really beneficial. Also, maybe, you know, all your friends are out of town or, hey, there's a pandemic and you're not allowed to see them. I Things like that. You know, it's important to learn how to kind of cultivate and be able to live with yourself. That's hard sometimes. But yeah. also, you know, not everybody wants to be isolated 100% of the time. That's sometimes a really challenging place to be in and it does happen uh but there is this long history of humans needing alone time and alone time actually can be good for you there's a lot of research kind of scattershot all over the place that has found a lot of benefits to having time with yourself things like increased memory and concentration having greater empathy for people different from yourself boosting creativity, self-discovery, and alone time has been shown to have positive effects on your interpersonal relationships. So the people that you spend your time with when you're not alone can gain the effects of your alone time. Yeah. So I know that seems like, yeah, yeah, that's great, but being alone sucks. Or maybe you have a better experience being alone now than you used to, or maybe worse than you used to. We're going to go through a little warm-up exercise all together to get our minds thinking about alone time. And then as we get into the main topic, you can sort of keep those things in your head. So here we go. Here's the exercise. Okay. First is, what do you feel when you think about spending time alone? And not just words, but where in your body do you feel that? Is it in your stomach, your shoulders, your neck, wherever it is? And then how else might you describe the feeling? Is it, does it have a color? texture, a flavor, anything like that. Just kind of think about that a little bit. So for me, I, okay, I would definitely name it right out the gate as relief. Oh, like when I think about it, I feel like my jaw, my neck, my shoulders, chest and stomach, like all those muscles just like relax a little bit more. It feels quite good to me. I was actually going to say similar body areas like my my neck and my shoulders for sure, like kind of this upper region that mm. it is sort of a release to a degree, because even with the people that you are the closest with, there is still some degree of like feeling like you need to be on a little bit, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And absolutely. so having that taken away entirely is just like a nice little release. I would say the color that came to my head for whatever reason is green. Oh, I don't know. Whatever you can, you okay. want to, you know, <laughs> say about that. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, it's interesting to both of you coming at it from that point of view. Cause I know for a lot of people, when they think about being alone, particularly if it's in the context of their partner being out on a date, there's often like a feeling of tightness in the shoulders of like, okay, I have to brace myself to make mm. it through this. I'm going to kind of like white knuckling is a term I've heard described a lot for the experience of being alone while a partner's on a date specifically. 
um, of this just like tension, right? So it's it's interesting that it could be on either extreme of that, either a release or tension. Uh, okay, so regardless of what you what came to mind for you right now, and this could change over time. Now think of at least one time when being alone was awesome. And specifically, think about what contributed to it being a positive experience. All right, so just think about that for yourselves, everyone out there. I, I recall when my partner was away on a business trip and I had the house to myself for the weekend and it was just me and the cats and I got to like cook you know, my favorite foods without worrying about, do I need to add some sort of non-vegan product to this to make my partner like it more? And I got to listen to my show, The Skating Lesson, and <laughs> watch my skating videos, and I didn't feel like, oh my god, I'm going to be judged for this. And it was awesome. Have a little glass of wine, maybe take a <laughs> bath. Loved it. Love that. Okay, that's great. So, so for listeners at home to keep in mind, you know, what was it that made your experience great about being alone. And then think about what's a time when being alone felt bad. What, and, and then again, what contributed to that being a negative experience? What, what sorts of things were you feeling or what was happening outside of yourself? What contributed to that feeling bad? I think the handful of times that I can think of, of time spent alone feeling bad is um, often related to being emotionally upset um, or having like weird trauma come up. Like for me, before I really started diving into therapy and like dealing with PTSD for the first time in my life, being alone felt bad because mm -hmm. it was like when I was alone and there was this less stimulation, it was really easy to ruminate and start thinking about really upsetting things and like get myself into a really upset state and then not have anyone around for comfort or grounding or stuff like that. And that was a new experience for me. Um, mm. But yeah, I would definitely say that for me, it was kind of like being not in a good mind state or not really taking care of my mental health really contributed to alone time feeling pretty crappy. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So then take these two different experiences that came to mind, or maybe you have multiple examples of positive and negative experiences. And then Take these and compare and contrast those positive and negative experiences. Which things are similar? Like what, what was the same between them? It's like, oh, clearly that doesn't have any bearing on it being positive or negative. And then what things are different? And then ask yourself, of those things that are different, which of those do you have control over? And which ones are out of your control? So, you know, thinking about you know, was it, did it have something to do with where I was or what I did during that alone time or what I thought about during that alone time? You know, which of those might I have more or less control over than others is a helpful way to get a sense of what, what you can control rather than trying to change the things that you can't. Well, it's interesting to think about the similarities because when I think about like the two memories that stand out in my mind, what was actually similar with both of them was it was not just alone time, but it was also unstructured alone time. And it's funny because when I first thought of the positive memory, I wanted to point to that. It's like, that's why I felt good is because it was unstructured time. But then thinking about the negative memory, it's like, oh, that was also unstructured time. You know, for me, really where it was, was kind of where my mind and heart was at at the time. Yeah. 
my negative experience was like I had recalled the, the, one of the first times when you went out on a day just without, you know, me being mm-hmm. a part of it in any way and feeling shitty about that. And I think that that was more of me like focusing outwardly on those things that I couldn't control, whereas the good time was like more of a celebration of me and the things that I was excited to be doing. Um, and without worrying about, you know, what anyone thought of it. And so that's interesting that for me, it was worse when it was, when I, my concentration was outward focused and then it was better when it was more inward focused. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great thing. And see, I would, I would actually say the opposite in my experience that like my positive memories are more of an outward focus of like, I'm going out and I'm doing things or I'm going out and trying something new or I'm like, I'm yeah. Focused on kind of an external stimulation that's pleasurable to me versus my more negative experiences have been when I've been more like chewing and Mm. ruminating and really, really internally focused on, on what's going on in my emotions. I guess I was also doing things that were like external, but, but they were like in, it, with an excitement factor around mm. the act of getting to do them by myself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. For me, almost all of my life until just the last few years, I really was afraid of being alone, really didn't like it, would tend to get upset. And it was just a bad thing. And I was just like, huh, I must be someone who just can't do alone time, couldn't live by myself. But then over the last few years have like, that's really switched for me. I've really come to you love did it. live alone though. Mm-hmm. When I met you. Yeah. Well, that was kind of the beginning of my switch to actually appreciating my time alone was when I lived in my own apartment by myself for a year and a half around that time where it was this just, yeah, now I like this, but I had to kind of figure out how to like it. Uh, Cause I definitely didn't before like my worst semester in college was the one semester that I lived in a single and I was super, Mm. super depressed and had a really hard time during that semester. So yeah, it's interesting kind of looking at those experiences and evaluating for ourselves what's changed and, you know, what, what things can I change and just being aware that it does change over time, I think is really important. So let's launch into talking about the main fears or concerns that come up with being alone. And we're going to talk about the two biggies today. The two things that people are most worried about or concerned about is, first of all, just feeling lonely. And the other one is feeling bored. There's a lot kind of baked into us as human beings, just based on the way that we evolved to really avoid those two experiences as much as possible, loneliness and boredom. And first, we're going to start by addressing loneliness In the second half, we're going to talk about boredom, and then we're also going to talk about suggestions and ideas for how to have a super awesome party for one. You don't care about me. I'll just dance for myself back on my beat. That is just going to keep quoting (laughs) that song every time. I wish I could have a song in this episode, but she wouldn't like that. (laughs) Jace, I think the music video is about masturbation, but I don't think the lyrics are. I'm looking at the lyrics, and I think it's pretty ambiguous. I'm just basing it off of, it is ambiguous, but in interviews, she very much talked about this song being like in the heritage of songs, like when I think about you, I touch myself and kind of this, like she thinks of it as she's putting it into the canon of masturbation songs. Is that what I'm getting? That's the impression I got from the interviews I watched with her about that That, video and the song. That 
that canon we all know and love. <laughs> yeah. It's a good one. It's a good one. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about loneliness, because, yeah, this definitely is one that people are quite worried about or afraid of even. And we just want to point out that being alone and being lonely are two separate things. They're two different things, but they can get sort of confused with one another because it is entirely possible to be in a giant crowd of people or hanging out with a bunch of friends and feel super lonely. And it's also possible to be alone at home and just doing your own thing or even traveling alone. I know both of you have done that. I mm-hmm. have done it a little bit and and you feel super fulfilled and connected. Uh, but our society and maybe even a little bit of capitalism, because, yeah, definitely like all of our ads are like, this is how you get the girl. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So all of that sort of just teaches us that being alone equals <clears throat> being lonely or being unhappy even. But that's not necessarily the case. Even I would argue like being alone, being lonely and being bored. Both of those things are not bad things. Sometimes it's good. Like we're, we don't. When are we bored anymore? We have like a little <laughs> supercomputer at our fingertips at all times. <laughs> It's true. It is interesting. I I do think that capitalism has set us up to feel like if you feel either of those things, something very wrong is going on. It is a bad feeling to feel and you cannot feel it when often it, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be. But we'll get to both of those a little bit later. So first, of course, we just have to say that loneliness, having moments of feeling loneliness is totally normal. The vast majority of people feel lonely sometimes. It's a very human emotion. It's a natural feeling that we evolved over time. And it doesn't mean that anything is wrong with you. Even if you're feeling lonely when people are around, also doesn't mean that anything is wrong with you. And sometimes I would even go out on a limb to say that if you feel lonely when other people are around or when your partner is around, that doesn't necessarily mean there's something wrong with the relationship. It could be an indicator that maybe there's something that you're longing for, but I think we all naturally go through just some periods of loneliness or just feeling like we're kind of alone in our human experience, even when we have someone who's nurturing us and caring for us. It's totally normal. All that said, recurring strong feelings of loneliness are linked to depression or anxiety. So while the suggestions that we make today could help if that's also a factor for you, if it's very serious, you should seek out professional help. With that, there are some interventions out there, particularly CBT has been shown to be very effective at treating the anxiety that goes along with loneliness. So definitely seek that out if this is a bigger problem for you and doesn't seem manageable. So if you feel lonely, remember that like any physical discomfort that you might be having, it might be your body or your brain, parts of your brain, your Amygdala? Would this be an amygdala response? <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. Ass. I didn't write that down. I um, am so bad at remembering the different parts of the brain. I feel like at this point I should know them and I don't. So that's really funny. You went to amygdala because that's always my default. I'm like, that's the only one I know. Is you know amygdala? amygdala, obviously. Yeah, no. The frontal uh, cortex, the hippocampus, somewhere in there. Yeah. yeah. yeah your brain and your body. Somewhere so. in that pile of yogurt that's in your brain case. Exactly. Yeah. Big mushy stuff. So it can be trying to tell you something. Something's going on. So put on your scientist hat. We like to do that over here at Multiamory and do some self experiments to try to find out what that might mean. Uh, Is it a reaction maybe to social pressures to have, you know, a certain kind of social life 
Are you getting some FOMO? Do you feel like you need to get out there and and, you know, see all the concerts or go to all the parties, go to all of the clubs? I did that when I moved to Los Angeles. Do you have comparisons in your life to other people? Are you looking at your friends and you're like, look, they look so glamorous. Maybe put down that social media device. And I'm saying this to myself right now. (laughs) (laughs) Is there actually a lack of variety in your life? Do you feel like perhaps you're just doing the same thing over and over again? I felt that a lot this past year. Mm -hmm. I felt very much like my life was just on, you know, the same turntable every single week, every single day. And I was just kind of doing the same routine. So maybe spice it up. Maybe try to find something else to throw into your routine to make things fun and exciting. Is there a relationship in your life where you could be connecting deeper rather than seeking more relationships or more friendships or things like that? And seeking more relationship and more friendship isn't a bad thing. And maybe that is appropriate in the situation. But if you're feeling lonely, especially if you're feeling lonely and you live with someone or you have some close relationships, um, this is a good opportunity to examine that, to examine like, is there something underneath this that I'm longing for? Am I longing for more connection or more deeper connection with someone in particular or or certain people in particular? And yeah, think outside your romantic relationships as well. This is not just about wanting to connect to a romantic or sexual partner, but also to your friends. Yeah, that that feeling of loneliness of kind of being disconnected and ungrounded in your relationships to people can sometimes happen if we sort of put all of our eggs in one basket, so to speak, where it's like this one person is the only one I'm devoting any real relationship energy to. So again, yeah, really think outside of just your romantic relationships. Think about those friendships and family relationships, potentially. Another question is, is it linked to feelings about your own self-worth or your own fears of rejection? Again, this is normal, but that thinking, it's its really easy to kind of fall into that whirlpool of those thoughts that just kind of cycle back in on themselves. So really taking time to focus on your successes or even, again, put on your scientist hat and be like, I'm going to look at what's the evidence that I can actually point to and say, people do like me. I, I do have good relationships. I am valuable as a person instead of letting your brain do its default thing, which is usually just filtering out the evidence that's the opposite of that and ignoring all the evidence about why you're good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so there is some scientific basis for this. In a recent meta-analysis of different clinical interventions for loneliness, the ones that focused on specifically changing negative thoughts were four times more effective than any of the others. And I want to give a quick caveat about this because when I think about my own experiences, negative experiences with being alone or having alone time, for me, it feels very different. Like the times when I was alone, you know, and I was definitely just really down on myself of like, oh, I'm just this loser stuck at home. All my friends are doing cool stuff. Like all my partners are out having fun or out on a date and like, I just suck and I'm just this lump at home. Jeez, like, well, t- we all do it, right? Like yeah. oh, it yeah. happens. Yeah. But those times feel very different from the times when it was like weird trauma brain coming up, where it was just like weird ruminations or getting sucked into this vortex or having weird intrusive memories and thoughts and stuff like that. And so for people out there, um, 
I guess I don't want anyone to think that we're just saying, just go try to think your way out of being lonely or just (laughs) try to think your way out of having negative thoughts. I do think there is a certain amount of negative self-talk that you can change. You know, you can get help with a professional or on your own working on self-love and self-compassion, or even sometimes self-neutrality is a good place to go. But there also may be things going on in your brain where it's not quite so easy to just think your way around it. So, you know, get curious about that. Get curious about what happens in your brain. And based on that information, then you can make some decisions about what may be the most helpful intervention for you. Yeah. Now, we're going to take a quick aside to talk about extroverts and introverts, because there's a lot of misunderstandings about this. And we just really want to clarify that extrovert and introvert is not the same as social or non-social. I say non-social instead of antisocial, because there's a little different nuance there. Uh, So yeah, we're only going to touch on this lightly, but the important thing is that it's not about being social or not, that that's actually a separate trait from being introverted or extroverted, that specifically there's a couple areas of research. One of them is research on the ascending reticular activating system in the brain. Look, there we have a brain term. Need to slip one of those into the episode. (laughs) Good shows that the difference actually has to do with how sensitive we are to different types of stimulation and whether we find that stimulation to be energizing or whether we find that stimulation to be draining. So separate research talks about evidence that extrovert and introvert brains are more attuned to different reward systems in the brain. That is a mouthful, but dopamine, we've all heard of that one. Dopamine is what extroverts get off on. And acetylcholine, <laughs> never heard of that one, is what introverts get off on. Yeah, so fun, fun stuff to look up. Do you know more about that, Jace? Because if I if this is what I've been my brain has been getting off on for years, I feel like I should know more about it. Good point. Yeah, essentially, these are both things that that all brains enjoy and get off on, so to speak. The idea with this research is just that extrovert brains may be more wired to prioritize dopamine, like the dopamine reward system, and that, makes that introverts so much sense to me, <laughs> and that introverts may be more in tune with the acetylcholine based reward system, which is the one that gives you that good feeling when you're like in a flow state or you're super focused on something or working on a project or a hobby that's more based in acetylcholine versus dopamine, which tends to be more external rewards, like like work (laughs) achievements or, you know, things from relationships or or getting certain rewards that way. So that's another area of research that's interesting. Yeah, it does make a lot of sense. sense. Yeah. I feel like I understand my brain. So much better now. Acetylcholine. Acetylcholine. Thank you, brain. Ultimately, the reason it's important to know this is that when you're dating yourself, it's important to be aware that your need for stimulation may be different at different times based on your energy level. And also that there's no hard and fast rules here. You know, if you're an extrovert and you know that you're going to have a period of alone time coming up, it doesn't mean that you automatically need to plan all the social events unless you want to. Um, But same thing with an introvert, that if you know you have a period of alone time, it doesn't mean that you have to stay at home and that's how you're going to get the most joy. Yeah. Kind of evaluate how full your batteries are. And, you know, if, if your battery feels full, you could step into the other experience, whether that's being alone or being more stimulated, whether that's 
online virtually, uh, you know, in a large Zoom call or going to an online concert or an event or something, or if it's actually going around people in person. But realizing that maybe actually, if even as an introvert, if your battery is very full from having a lot of alone time, that doing something that's actually going to use some of that battery by being more social or more stimulated might actually be the thing you need. And say, you know, the opposite with extroverts. So just something to keep in mind. I have to say that whenever you use the phrase large Zoom call, my stomach gets a little bit nauseated. <laughs> <laughs> I'm attending a Zoom wedding shortly, like wow. in a couple of weeks. Wow. My partner's like, do we really have to attend a Zoom wedding? And I'm like, yes, we do, but oh, it will man. be strange. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've been in so many specifically large Zoom calls because of doing a lot of trainings, even before the pandemic, you know, I do these like online trainings where, you know, it's like 30, 40 plus people in a Zoom call. And oh boy, I, sorry, I can't talk about it. I'm going to puke. I just... I really like our discussion groups though. Oh yeah, you those are great. But like, that's our stuff. We get to call the shots. <laughs> well, exactly. I, I like it because I'm like, all of you have to look at me. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh <my> God. Whoops. <laughs> Gosh, really showing us behind the curtain there. Yeah, no, I, I know, but I appreciate it. Thank you for looking at me. Anyway, <laughs> we in the second half are going to talk about a very exciting topic, which is boredom. But before <laughs> we do that, we're going to take a quick break to talk about our sponsors for this week's episode. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For a long time now, we've been fans of AdamandEve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their site specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be, you know, an adventurous new toy, or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's MULTI, M-U-L-T-I at adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. And we're back. Let's talk about boredom. Okay, here it is. Most of us, most of us have probably felt bored at some point in our lives. But what is boredom, actually? 
And this is a, an interesting question in trying to look up research about it, because researchers also ask that question of, we all know we, what boredom feels like, or we think we do, but how do you define it? Like, what, what really makes up boredom? So this group of researchers from York University in Toronto did a review of the scientific literature about boredom to try to find the core of it. And they found that boredom is not necessarily related to what someone is doing, but to how stimulated or engaged they are in their current environment. So in other words, boredom happens when you want to be more engaged and stimulated, but for some reason you're unable to connect with your current environment. Yeah, and I talked about this before. In our modern world, there's really like not a lack of things to be doing, to be looking at, to be stimulated by. But boredom is this greater problem now than it used to be. I think you really did have to like create your own fun. Even when we were kids, like your your mom, you know, tells you get outside and go play with a stick or oh, something. Oh gosh, yeah, <laughs> especially if you don't don't grow up like with cable or, or totally, anything yeah. like that. It's like, yeah, it's a lot of running around with sticks. <laughs> yeah, but just the imagination process that goes into that, I think, and like creating stories and like playing with your friends, that was so great and really didn't create boredom at all it like gave it you know made it fly away <laughs> yeah actually in looking into this i saw some articles that mentioned that boredom as an experience wasn't really like doesn't show up in discussions until the industrial revolution actually oh, that, that once dang. we were working really hard right but once we learn to automate things and specifically try to make our lives to have more free time is when we started feeling bored <laughs> so it is kind of this this strange, strange, relatively modern thing, even if it's been, you know, a hundred years or more, still that's relatively modern in the scope of human history. Yeah. It's also it, just super fascinating because I, I probably have already shared this on the podcast before, but I used to have this phrase that was my go-to whenever people would comment on how busy my schedule is or how full my schedule is, is my fallback was always, well, you know, I'd rather be busy than be bored. But hmm. in lockdown, I learned, oh... You can be busy I, and bored. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I can be busy and bored at yep. the same time. And oh, I yeah. was like, ooh, that sucks. But it makes sense that this idea of, you know, even if busyness is going on around you, even if there are things to do, it's like there's a certain lack in like how stimulated you are or how engaged you are with your current environment. And I think a lack of like novel experiences as well. Yeah, that, that too. Not like that's the weird thing is ironically, right at the beginning of the pandemic, there was this research that came out that showed like, hey, yeah, actually novel experiences are quite integral to our happiness as yeah. human beings. And it's like, <laughs> oh, cool, <yeah>. great. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Here's a year of that. none of that. Have yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah. So researchers out there have described boredom as not being connected or not having a sense of purpose or engagement to what you are doing. And that kind of makes sense, again, with the monotony of what is occurring right now or what has occurred this last year with the pandemic. You can really just be on autopilot, taking Zoom calls and like, uh-huh, yeah, and not really be truly engaged with what you're doing. Yeah, a good example of how personal it is, is if you just think about how for one person, a two-hour lecture on how recurrent neural networks in machine learning can attempt to recreate natural language. Uh, for one uh, person, that's like fascinating. 
for example, for me, that sounds like an awesome talk I would love to watch. But for another person, that's just if you were stuck there, especially if you couldn't change your environment. So again, go back to that definition, right? It's when you're not engaged, but for some reason you can't change that. You can't become engaged either by becoming interested in the thing or by escaping the situation. I think that's why a lot of us experience boredom in meetings. If we have meetings for work, it's that like, I'm not engaged, but I have to be here and I don't have a choice. So I experience boredom because I can't get that engagement that I want from my environment. Yeah, I guess I'm wondering, you know, so many of us now have this default response of like when we're in a meeting or in a situation where there could be some boredom, like it's I get to the doctor's office and they're like, oh, it'll be a 10 minute wait. And we sit down immediately. It's like whip out the phone or like (laughs) immediately engage with something. And I'm wondering, like, is it that it's like, well, I can't really change my environment to make this experience more engaging. But the closest thing I have is like engaging with my phone, even if that's not really fulfilling or really satisfying. It's like, okay, I can connect to something. Plus, plus, of course, the whole dopamine addictive, you know, pattern that it provides. But that's a topic for another day. Have you two heard about specific time set aside to just think like true thinking time? Yeah, this is something. Yeah, that's come up in podcasts recently that I've been listening to. And that's an interesting idea. Like when you are at a doctor's office and they say it's going to be a 10 minute wait and then it's a 30 minute wait. Why don't you take that time to just sit and think and and, you know, have that in- uninterrupted time. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that came up in in researching this. There's just so many papers and studies and things all talking about how important it is to let yourself be bored sometimes. And I think part of that is is actually a little bit misleading, but it's that when you're feeling bored and you reach for your phone for some kind of a mindless game or a mindless scrolling through Scroll. social media <laughs> you both are like yeah, yeah. One. <laughs> instagram <laughs> that uh that that we think we're doing it to cure our boredom but we're just kind of passing time or distracting ourselves while we're still bored like those activities are not really engaging or fulfilling and they're not actually curing that boredom that we think that they are and so a lot of the articles really emphasize you know embracing boredom because it will actually lead you to have thoughts or engage in things that are truly engaging and have meaning for you, as opposed to just immediately trying to escape it and doing something that you think is going to relieve boredom, but is really just keeping you bored. It's just sort of distracted while you're also bored scrolling or playing that mindless game. Yeah. So I, on my phone, I have set up on like all of my social media accounts, like timers built in. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of phone OSs themselves have this, but also in the apps themselves, like the Facebook app, the Twitter app themselves, you can set a timer so that, you know, after 20 minutes goes by, it'll pop up and be like, hey, you've been using me for 20 minutes. Um, I really wish I could set it so that after 20 minutes, it would just pop up and say like, hey, what are you avoiding right now? Because that's <laughs> always what it is. Yeah, it's always what it bed. is. Either it's avoiding going to the next task or it's avoiding feeling a little bit bored or it's avoiding feeling my emotional state. Mm. Like it's always avoiding something, which is fascinating. And of course, have to give the disclaimer, you know, If this is your jam, I think a meditation practice is a great place to practice being bored and realizing that it's not going to kill you. Yeah. Meditation came up in so many articles. Yeah. Yeah. That retreat, like talk about no phones for multiple days in a row and just Mm -hmm. 
with yourself and it was awesome highly recommend when we can do those things again it is also a practice i remember Mm -hmm. and i think i've talked about this a long time ago on the show but when i was in college i studied abroad in russia and i went back again after college and in russia at that time especially being like the early 2000s there's a lot of standing in line I don't know if there still is. I haven't been back in a while, but like literally I went to the post office to mail something and I had to wait in line two hours to mail something at the post office. And what I found though, and again, this was before smartphones, so I didn't have that either. I got really good at waiting in lines. And when I came back and I you know, went to a McDonald's or whatever, and I have a <laughs> 10 minute wait in line, I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. But but pretty quickly, I found myself just reverting right back to, yeah. oh, gosh, come on. I got it. Can we move this? You know, can we speed this up here? Like, move it along, people. And it's, it is really a practice. It's not just like you have it or you don't. You, you have to kind of maintain that ability to, to wait or be bored or be comfortable having your thoughts on your own or something like that. So let's talk about some ideas for a party for one. You don't care about me. I'll just answer myself back on my feet. (laughs) I'm committing to the bit, Jace. Okay, it's good. It's good. Hopefully people out there will understand the bit. (laughs) I'm sure they will. It's not about them. It's about me. You're right. You're right. Okay, we're going to look at some ideas of what to do, some things to consider when you are trying to have an awesome time by yourself. So something that I will do for myself is I will sit down and make a list of the things that I want to add to my life. Sometimes that's personal goals. Sometimes it's new experiences. Sometimes it's just stuff I want to be doing more of. Sometimes it's a list of things I feel like I should be doing more of. I do try to differentiate those lists from each other. Mm. Uh, It could be a little bit more amorphous, you know, even something like I want to feel more pampered or I want to feel more creative or I want to feel more calm. And so I think that's a great exercise in and of itself, just to do a little bit of brain dump of like the things that you kind of want more of in your day-to-day experience. And you can ask yourself some questions like, is there any of this that's hard to get around other people? You know, for me, often if I'm around other people, it's really hard to get into a flow state on anything whether that's a flow state of trying to write something or a flow state of trying to focus on a particular video game, you know, it's really hard if there's a lot of stimulation around or if I don't have that unstructured time. And so knowing that about myself helps me to be able to prioritize moments of having unstructured time and really getting rid of the other stimulation that I have and getting rid of distractions. You know, for other people, it could be things like more self-care time, fitness or dance, um, learning something new. Uh, For me, I think, what did I write down the other day? It was like more stuff about my own like Japanese study, of course. Um, (laughs) So studious. So impressive. You know, or stuff about wanting to do my meditation more frequently or about wanting to read more fiction, you know, like all kinds of stuff. Like, I think it can be a really nice open experience just to kind of do a little bit of this pre-work ahead of time of like, what are the things I could add to my life that would help me feel like I have better well-being and that could be something that I could take advantage of my alone time to do. Yeah. Another option is sort of a variation on that, which is just to think about what are the things that I do enjoy, that I already know that I enjoy, that I don't do as much or at all around other people. So, you know, the easy example is maybe watching a certain genre of movie 
right? That your roommates or your partner or your family members don't like, I don't know, horror movies. And so alone time, that's your chance. It's like, finally, sweet. I, I get this. I know for me, when Dedeker's not around, it's just watching any TV shows at all because Dedeker <laughs> likes watching TV movies, shows? but no. she just doesn't like watching TV. It's I, a weird thing. I just, yeah, I'm not, I'm not I a forgot huge about TV that. consumer. <laughs> she doesn't do that. And Jace, not, you and I are always talking about the TV shows that we're both yeah. watching and Dedeker's That's the like, thing that, mm, like, especially if interested. I'm by myself, though, if I'm by myself, watching TV is like the last thing that I want to do. No, unless I'm Sex very in the city, I'll throw on that <laughs> shit. No, yeah. unless I'm very tired or very sick and don't have a lot of energy, maybe mm. then I will veg out in front of the TV. But if Love I'm by it. myself, I would much rather play a video game, read a book, like go for a walk, learn something, you know, like pretty much like TV is the bottom of the list for me. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, so that's that's an example for you. It might be something different. Maybe it is your video game time or maybe, you know, whatever it is, uh, you know, for some people, it's the classic walking around your apartment naked uh, that you don't feel as comfortable it's doing when other people are right home. Do that. <laughs> Crank up the heat and walk around naked. I don't know. Uh, or cooking a certain type of food or ordering a certain type of food. Uh my brother and I recently got together and had sardine sandwiches, which is a thing that we grew up with as this delightful snack that most other people, most other human beings find repulsive. So if you that's could see very my much... face right now. <laughs> yeah, that was a horrible day in the house. Oh, God. <laughs> oh God. It's because unfortunately we couldn't get alone time, you know, for us to do it. Get but, out, Dedeker. And... You know, <laughs> maybe there's some snack that you you know, love to eat that everyone else hates when it's around. Take advantage of that. Or it could be singing or practicing a musical instrument. I know I yeah, love I it. Always, always want my partner to be gone when I'm doing my singing practice. Totally. Anytime yeah. I did singing practice, I would want everyone to be out of the house. So yeah, yeah, it's just think about that. Think of, are there some things that I like doing that I intentionally avoid when other people are around and, and try those? Also, Another thing that you can try doing is going somewhere that you've always wanted to go that maybe, you know, is completely new. Take a road trip by yourself. Go on a solo hike. Be careful. Take your shoes birdie. Bring your phone. <laughs> I even attend like an outdoor yoga class. Dedeker and I actually used to do that back when that was a thing. And it was wonderful. It was super lovely just to be in nature. You know, go to a park, a brand new park, maybe in a different side of town stuff like that do something novel get out of the house yeah i freaking love doing like small solo trips or big solo trips i've done some very big solo travel mm -hmm. but especially right now when travel is a little bit more difficult i love just doing little tiny discovery trips i guess again to yeah. a new park or to a new part of town or whatever i'm soups into that I find particularly when traveling and again hopefully i can do this in the future again soon uh, but when traveling, if I'm by myself, I do a lot more just kind of wandering around the area where I'm staying or mm. wandering through different neighborhoods. And I find all sorts of cool, random little things that then later I might be able to tell Dedeker about and take her there. But it's it's, you know, or tell my friends about and bring them there. But it's not something I find usually if I'm with other people, because we tend to be more focused on, OK, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And there's less of that kind of. I don't know. I'm just aimlessly wandering and kind of checking out what's around here. Something else to think about is to consider if you are over or under stimulated at this particular time when you're going to be alone and work to remedy that. You know, if you're overstimulated, 
any activity that helps you regulate, that helps you come down a little bit. You know, of course, the classic one is, you know, like take a take a bath, have some soft music playing, you know, um, do something to chill out, you know, sit down and read a book, cozy up in a blanket, watch a movie or show or things like that. But whatever works for you to help you with that overstimulation. For me, um, definitely the like getting away from screens and being able to just listen to something Um Currently, cooking has been really great for that for me. That, like, at the yeah. end of the day, when I'm just like so stimulated from work, that literally putting my phone away and just putting on some music and just being able to do some kind of elaborate cooking project really, really helps me to not feel so stimulated. But if you're noticing that you're understimulated or feeling underconnected, that's also something to think about as well, you know? And so that's looking for ways that you can connect with people. Um, right now, of course, it's difficult. So you can look into online video calls. Of course, we're going to recommend our own multi-amory discussion group. Find somewhere to be around people where it's safe. You know, find someone in your life who's, you know, willing to hop on a quick FaceTime call or something like that. You know, there's also good ways to stimulate that sense of connection if you're feeling kind of understimulated and underconnected as well. Yeah. And then finding a new hobby or rediscovering an old hobby is a big one. And something about hobbies is it's important to distinguish them from a pastime, from something you're just doing to pass the time. And it, it, the difference basically is that a hobby is an activity that you enjoy doing. You enjoy engaging in that activity as opposed to, for most people, I would say watching TV or watching a movie isn't a hobby. It's not an active activity. For some people, it is. Absolutely. If you're like a, a film person and you're really watching it and, you know, trying to understand how the filmmaking is done. I have friends who, for them, very much watching movies, I would classify as a hobby. For me, it's mostly just something that I do for fun to pass the time. And there's nothing wrong with that but don't confuse it with a hobby. I think another example of that is with video games that again, we talked about kind of the mindless, you know, candy crush style games that that isn't, I, 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 no one could convince me that that's a hobby for anyone. <laughs> However, if we think about games that are much more in depth, like many computer games and console games are today, uh, especially if you're someone who really, thinks about games and likes to understand the theory of games and how they work, I could see making the argument that playing games could be a hobby. Again, it depends how you engage with it. So you have to evaluate that for yourself. Other examples of hobbies could be, again, uh, something like puzzle games or doing puzzles. Again, evaluate for you if this is a fulfilling hobby-like activity or if it's just something you're doing to pass the time. Uh, Dedeker and I have been doing like a mystery by mail thing that we get a little mystery sort of, science theater. Now it's called the curious correspondence club. They're not a sponsor yeah. of this show, but uh, maybe <laughs> they should be. be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, reach out to us curious correspondence club, but it's like a little um, almost like an escape room in an envelope, but it's, you know, a fun activity for us to do together. But if it's you're really by hard yourself, to get into that envelope though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but if you want, it could be something like building models or writing music or playing music, practicing an instrument, something like that, or it could be collecting and researching something like stamps or cards of some sort. There's so many collectible cards these days. Uh, maybe it's collecting 
vintage toys, you know, it could be any number of things, Beanie babies. but just really look into this and think, is there something I used to really love doing that I've stopped because I didn't think I had time for it? Or is there maybe something new that I could see if maybe this is engaging and exciting for me? So I want to, I want to take this one just a step further because this reminds me of um, this book that I reference on the podcast a lot, which is called Fair Play by Eve Rodsky. And the main subject of the book is about uh, finding ways to divide labor in a household with your partner. But she talks a lot about reconnecting. And, and it's funny, she calls it unicorn space, which is ironic. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but she talks about, you know, kind of part of figuring out household labor and dividing parenting labor and stuff like that. Part of it is being able to let both of you or however many of you are, you know, collaborating on a household have access to what she calls unicorn space, which is it's not time that's self-care time. It's not time that's workout time. It's not time that's just like Netflix and wine time. It's time where you're connecting to something that you have some amount of passion about or some amount of purpose behind and some amount of creativity and also something that is possible to share with the world. And which I think is a really interesting part of it because I, I think she adds that to make it so that it's like, this is also about something that engages you with others and connects you to your world a little bit more. So yeah. the examples she gives are people who, where it's like, oh yeah, I always wanted to open this Etsy shop for my craft. Um, or something as simple as I've always wanted to try this particular elaborate recipe. And even if you're sharing it with the world is as small as sharing it with your partner, that that's still something. And so I, I, I think about that a lot. And I think about um, how I think that that kind of added a little extra benefit of like, can I, do I feel a sense of purpose in this? And can I share it with the world? It really does unlock kind of a different space for your brain when you're doing alone time, you know? So especially for me these days, it's the difference between just sitting down to play a video game or going out and like working on some pole tricks out in the garage where even if my sharing with it is like taking a picture and like sending it to Jason Emily or whatever, it's still just like something, <laughs> you know? And I don't know. I, I think it, it engages a different part of your brain and it makes alone time stimulating in a slightly different way than some more passive activities. I would bet that also when it comes to loneliness, like we talked about in the first half, that if you're doing something that is focused on how it contributes to other people's lives, that that also would contribute to feeling more engaged and connected with the world and not isolated from it. So yeah, that's that's a really good thing to think about. And kind of building off of that as our last point here, which is that it's okay if your self-date time includes other people. I'm going to give an example here. When I was a kid, my mom and I used to always play video games together. And what that means is that I would play the video game and she would like sit there with the guide or you know, it's in some way like helping me out or just like watching while she was painting or whatever. And it was really fun. It was great. And so when I went to visit her um, in January, we did that again with Breath of the Wild, which is if you haven't played it, where have you been? <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, and so she got to see it for the first time. And then when I came home, I got a capture card. And so we've been you know, she's been watching me on YouTube or on Twitch or whatever, and watching me play the game. And then we talk on the phone at the same time. And it's great. Like, that's my like alone time sort of with her. But we still it's something that I'm not doing like with my partner and it's still novel and cool for her too. Nice. That's a great example, too, of of 
I think a lot of times when people think, oh yeah, it's something to, I should do something with someone else while my partner's on a date, almost everyone reverts to, I need to find a date to be on. And I yeah. love thinking outside of that box and instead looking at your friendships or your family members like that and saying, hey, look, I'm going to take advantage of this awesome time, you know, regardless of why you're alone, even if your partner's not on a date, but just just that to kind of realize, hey, there's other connections in your life, too, besides romantic ones. Exactly. So in researching this, one little shout out I wanted to give is to a site uh, called It's All You, Boo. Dot com. Uh, it has some fun articles and suggestions, as well as some exercises for how to kind of affirm and love yourself a little bit more when you're by yourself. So definitely check that out. She writes some cool things on there if you want that. Also, in our bonus episode for patrons, we're going to spend a little more time talking about some of the random, silly, and fun, and or interesting things that I found while putting together this episode. So if you want to check that out, be sure to become a patron and look for our bonus episode. Lastly, we're going to be posting a question on our Instagram for you, and that is, when you think about alone time, what's the first word that comes to your mind? A little bit like the exercise we did at the beginning, but check out our Instagram for that question and share your answers and see what other people are saying. The best place to share your thoughts about this episode and discuss with other listeners is on this episode's discussion thread in our private Facebook group or Discord chat. You can get access to these groups and join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Multiamory is created and produced by Emily Matlack, Dedeker Winston, and me, Jace Lindgren. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balvanera. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our production assistants are Rachel Shenowark and Carson Collins. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.